everything you always wanted to do in high school with everyone you always wanted to do it with. Welcome to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about the Cameron Crowe movie, Fast Times at Regimont High. Hi, Holly Oliver. Hi, Sarah Devereaux. Uh, what do you think about this movie, Sarah? Well, when I first think of Ridgemont, Fast Times at Ridgemont High, the main thing that I think about is Piccoli. Like, that's the image that pops into my mind. Just him, like, blasting into the classroom and being the surfer dude. <laughs> and then the other image that I think about is the Phoebe Cates um, getting out of the pool in the red bikini, the other iconic image from this movie. So, but when I went to rewatch it, then I was surprised, like, to me, the main plot, yeah, is Stacy, the girl played by Jennifer Jason Lee, and her whole story. Um, but it doesn't seem like that was marketed either. Like on all of the trailer, they don't talk about that that much. On the cover, the VHS, they don't talk about it that much. And that's not what stood out in my mind either. So when I went to rewatch it, it was kind of like a whole different movie than what I was expecting. And it's because she got an abortion. An abortion. <laughs> and not only did she get an abortion, she was just like, oh shit, I got pregnant by premature ejaculation from a guy I don't know. I'm clearly not keeping this baby. That's ridiculous. I'm 15. I'm going to get an abortion. I get an abortion. And you know what? I'm moving on with my life because it was totally a mistake. She did. There was no guilt. There was no preaching. I can't believe this movie came out in 82 and was popular. I feel like the whole rest of the cast was there to distract everyone from the actual message of the movie, which is that women have sexual agency. I think you're right. That's one of the things that I wrote about it is that it's kind of refreshing to see that it's actually like the girls are pretty in control in the sexual situations here, there's not like a sexual predatory aspect. Like there are so many of the other movies or the girls are just being objectified. They're actually like wanting to have sex and being in control of it and making the first move, which is refreshing. Mm -hmm. I agree. <laughs> and I was just also amazed of how Stacy Jennifer Jason Lee went from a virgin at the beginning to like within the school year, she was already like having an abortion and she was just, Taking everything in stride, it seemed like she was handling it like an adult. I'm like, wow, this girl's 15 and she's just navigating her way through all of this and basically just realizing that she's in it on her own. Like she cannot depend on the guy at all and she's got to move on. Yeah. Stacy decided at the beginning of the movie, she saw a guy that she thought was really attractive. She knew he was older. And her friend, Linda, is like, older men are the way to go. They know their way around the bedroom. Go for it. Go for this guy that's coming into the pizza parlor. You can wait on him. And he asks for her phone number. And she lies. Stacy lies and tells him that she's 19 years old. And she's 15. And then they go out on a date, which their date. Okay, so he Date says like in quotation marks. <laughs> oh, I'm 20. He's like, I'm 26. Okay, so dude, if you're 26, why did you take her to a dugout in the middle of a park where everybody goes to have sex? If you're 26, it made me think he was like married. Oh. And because you're 26, like you should have a place to have sex. 
I was wondering that too. I was like, yeah, why don't you take her to your apartment or something? Because he's married. Ron. Ron. works at the stereo store. Ron Jones. Sweet leather jacket. <laughs> and some kind of sports car. Yeah, it's like, a, it's a date in quotation marks because he picks her up after she sneaks out of her house, which is like, whoa. Um, and she's waiting on a street corner for him. There are like so many alarms, <laughs> like things that should not be happening. Right. Scary things. And then, yeah, he picks her up and then immediately is like, oh, do you want to go to the point? And that's their date is just having sex in like 30 seconds. And she loses her virginity in like one minute. But I had, a a, I had a feeling, though, that she picked him just because she wanted to get her virginity out of the way. I, yeah, she wanted to get it out of the way. Like Linda told her in the beginning, what? You're 15 and you haven't done it? I did it when I was 13. It's no big deal. It's just sex. You need to just get it over with. Like, yeah, just get your first one out of the way and then you can move on. And then it, and the more you do it, the less it'll hurt. Yeah. But then poor Stacy throughout the movie. Well, she only, she only has sex with two guys, but both of them basically premature ejaculate while they were with Stacy. Both were like this distillation of everything that we've been told in the media about how men are. The movie did it in such a way that Stacy wasn't actually emotionally affected she took it in stride and I feel like the message I got from it was if there's a guy out there who's not respecting you and following through then don't fucking waste your time on them and she doesn't she's just like well okay you're not interested bye I'll, I'll look for somebody else to be interested in. And I just think that that is a refreshing mes- message because usually in movies, the guy does the same. The guy's like, oh, everything's about my sexual pleasure and I'm going to use your body to get off and then I'm not going to call you. And then a lot of times the rest of the movie is about the woman pining away for this guy where you're like, you're not even having good sex with this guy. Why are you pining for him? So it's just very refreshing to see the women be like dismissive of men who aren't good in bed. <laughs> it's like, if they're not good in bed, just move on. And I really <laughs> like that message. I mean, I like that message too. <laughs> I think we can all stand behind that message. So how old were you when you saw this movie? Um, first time? I thought you were going to ask how old I was when I lost my virginity. I was like, whoa. That was my next question. <laughs> I knew you were working up to that. <laughs> um, Probably like nine. I was so young that I saw this movie when I was in kindergarten. Oh, wow. So then I'm almost like with this movie, because it doesn't have like the violence or anything. It's a lot of innuendo. Oh, but there is nudity, too. Mm-hmm. But then I can kind of see where they would be like, oh, she's only in kindergarten. She won't even know what's going on. It's okay if she's here. That's exactly what happened. Mm-hmm. She All of the all of the sex stuff's just going to go over her head. She, maybe she'll remember Spicoli. That's probably what they thought. <laughs> yeah. Right. What I'm most concerned with about Spicoli, though, is his sun damage <laughs> to his skin. 
I'm like, Spicoli, is your actual problem just that you have sun poisoning? (laughs) Do you have like chronic sun poisoning? Yeah, he's like extremely weathered in high school already. At the beginning of the movie, it's quickly established when Brad pulls onto the high school campus parking lot. Everybody is saying hi to him. He's the cool guy. Yes. Brad is totally the cool guy. And he's rolling through with his car. He's got a shiny blue classic car. I don't, I didn't get what model it was. He's got six more payments on it, we find out. He had been working at All American Burger and he was in, he was like pretty high up. To the point that a guy we don't hear from very much, Arnold, says, my favorite quote of the movie, which I will now reveal to you. Ever since they started with the chicken nuggets, (laughs) everything went downhill. Is Arnold's asking Brad for a job? Yeah. Because... His job at the Burger Barn, was that what it was called? I think so. Yeah. Bronco Burger. Oh, that's what it was. Bronco Burger. That's an even better name. Uh, at the Bronco Burger was getting terrible. Brad's like, you know what, man? You can you can have a job. Sure. And it was done. And now Arnold's got a job there. And then, ironically, because of Arnold, Brad loses his job there. Not directly because of Arnold. It's really still Brad's fault, but he blames it on Arnold. <laughs> Brad was going to lose his shit sooner or later because (laughs) nobody is that chill. But Arnold has to go to the bathroom. Brad takes over at the counter. Some guy walks up and he's not satisfied with the meal he already ate. And he wants a refund. And Brad's like, man, there's a form to fill out. And he's like, fuck a form. I need my money back. This was gross. And Brad's like, well, then why did you eat it? Yeah. And then Brad loses his shit and he just yells at the guy. After the guy called him a moron, though. I mean, I'm blaming Brad. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Like, I'm defending him. I can see it happening. (laughs) He's trying to tell the guy he needs to go through protocol and fill out the form, and the guy's not having it. So. He's just trying to follow the rules. And that also establishes that, like, Brad's a guy who follows the rules. He expects that if you follow the rules, because this is what we're told, if you follow the rules, then your life will go smoothly. (laughs) And Brad is now suddenly realizing that that's completely not true at all. That sometimes when you follow the rules, you end up wearing a paper pirate costume (laughs) and smelling like fish. (laughs) Which is Brad's next job. That's right. Following the rules does not always work out. That's a great example. So when I saw this movie in kindergarten, <laughs> I I understood quite a lot of what Did was you? going on. Because I had already been exposed to very inappropriate sexual material. I knew. No, uh, actually, my uh, brother had a porno. Mm. a hardcore porno playing while I was I was probably like four. Oh my god yeah so it's probably around the same time but I know I remember I saw the porno first because it's one of my first memories oh god I actually made a collage that is all about it there's a lot of like erect penises in it so I already knew what was going on because I hung out Because my brother was 14 years older than me. So I hung out with teenagers Mm -hmm. and I was like a baby 
and a toddler. That was like my primary friend group were a bunch of teenage boys. So I knew, I knew what (laughs) fast times at Ridgemont high was about. And I know that it, cause I saw this over at Aunt Pishy's house. Oh. And so I know that she had no idea (laughs) that I knew what it was about. And so she was like, Oh, this will go right over her head, you know? Yeah. And yeah, there's a boob scene, but you can cover your eyes. And I do remember because they had already seen the movie. They were like, okay, there's a scene in here, you know, but really they weren't really concerned about boobs. No. And I then, mean, in the eighties, boobs were everywhere. <laughs> what do you think about Mr. Hand and Spicoli's relationship? I like their relationship. I think it's funny. I think it's kind of sweet. Like, especially by the end, then you can see that it's actually a good thing. I think Spicoli is hilarious. (laughs) I forgot how funny he was. Um, I mean, I know that Mr. Hand is supposed to be a huge jerk, but I mean, really, he's just trying to establish some boundaries for these kids and have them follow rules because that's what it's going to be like in the real world. So he's trying to prepare them. So his intentions are good. I don't think he really goes too overboard in being like a disciplinarian. And I like the way he handles it when Spicoli orders a pizza in class. (laughs) So instead of letting him have it, or instead of just sending him to the principal's office or something, he takes it and gives it to all the other kids in class. And he has a piece as well. And he still lets him stay. Well, he wants them to learn. Yeah. and then. At the end, when it's time for the graduation dance and he shows up at Spicoli's house, I'm like, okay, I don't know if this would actually happen, but it's nice that he cares. So when he tells him that he Spicoli has wasted eight hours of his time over the semester and he's going to make good on those hours now, then I was thinking at first that he's just going to sit there and make Spicoli miss the dance. And I was like, that's kind of mean, but I can understand it. But then he just goes over the lesson with him and makes sure that he's gotten like the general point. And then he lets him go to the dance and they shake hands. And he lets Spicoli know that he's probably going to graduate (laughs) or pass the class. He says, I think you'll eke by. So it's like Spicoli won him over eventually. And Spicoli also showed that he did learn at least some basic lessons. So I think it was a good relationship. I liked it. It was sweet and nurturing in a non-traditional sweet and nurturing way. What's interesting about Mr. Han is that he's the only parent. He's the only parental figure in the whole movie. Yeah. You never see anyone's parents. Only like five seconds of Stacy's mom when she's like tucking her in for bed before she sneaks out and I was like, okay, so she's getting tucked oh, right. in bed like she's seven. And then five seconds later, she's like bolting out the window and losing her virginity within 20 minutes. So the only scene with a parent and her mom is basically being used as a prop to show Stacy's loss of innocence. Mm-hmm. But otherwise we only have Mr. Hand. A lot of kids in the 70s and 80s felt very abandoned by their parents because their because their parents were like having their own awakening of hey wait maybe we got married too young yeah 
because so many people got married when they were like 20 or earlier or earlier. And then by like 1975, they're like 26 and they're like, wait a second. Like I want to live my life, you know? And so they're just sort of like, Hey kids go run around and do something else. And, you know, I love Mr. Hand because he's the kind of teacher that I loved in high school and college (laughs) where I was like, okay, I'm here to learn. I want very distinct boundaries and I want the teacher to control the class so that the thing that happens in the class is learning the information that I'm sitting here to learn. And so, but he's gentle and he is passionate about what he's teaching and he authentically wants the kids to learn. And he is also really fair. Like you were saying about how he's like, oh, is the pizza for the whole class? Well, thanks. (laughs) He asks, like, he basically, Mr. Han basically asks Spicoli, like, why are you fucking with me? (laughs) (laughs) And Spicoli says, I don't know. And then (laughs) Mr. Han writes, I don't know on the board. And then he's like, I'm going to share this with everyone. Why is it that Spicoli keeps teasing Mr. Hand. He's really just kind of being cranky. You know, it's nothing like malicious or anything. Yeah. I think it's because on an unconscious level, Spicoli recognized that Mr. Hand could finally give him guidance and discipline and boundaries that clearly his parents were not giving him. As denoted by the booze, the bong, mm-hmm. and all of the, the nude pictures and boobs. <laughs> <laughs> the bong and the boobs. That's a t-shirt. <laughs> uh, yeah, that sums up Spicoli's life basically, and waves. But yeah, I know. I was like, there are like graphic uh, posters hanging around his room, not just like bathing suit. They're like full on nude spread eagle, kind of like whoa. Yeah, and I get the impression that he lived with maybe just his dad because the little brother would come in and be like, Dad, Spicoli did this. I feel like even if a mom was super neglectful, she wouldn't let her son have all of these spread eagle nude women all over his walls. The way that they set his room up did a great job telling us what his life was about and the things that he didn't have, which is a parental authority. Definitely. And Mr. Hand like recognized that, like this is a kid who's lost and no one's ever taken an interest in him. Everyone's just thought like the one student in the class said like, Oh, you know, that's Spicoli. He's been stoned since third grade. <laughs> third grade. <laughs> Which he probably has been. Yeah, but when you heard that line, did you have, like, people flash into your mind of, like, who we went to school with? I have one particular person. We'll talk about it later. totally. (laughs) Yeah, that was funny. I think we all know people like that. Totally. Yes! Yes! That's the one! (laughs) You just chatted me the name, and it's the exact same person I was thinking of. I figured it would be. (laughs) That is so funny. I know. Oh, I know. Rest in peace, buddy. I know. He was nice. He was nice. He was like just hard living by fourth grade. I know. know? Man. And see, I feel like he's kind of the same as like that's his home. His home life was probably similar. 
to Spicoli. Mm -hmm. It's just Spicoli had the waves. Exactly. We only had like a steel mill. We didn't have waves. We didn't have any waves. (laughs) (laughs) That changes the whole scene, really, of like their outlets of what they could do. That could be the difference in like a surfer dude and a regular burnout mm-hmm. is their environment, what they what they have to do for recreation. Totally. I think it's beautiful what you're saying about Spicoli and Mr. Hand. I think it's great. I read like I was reading when I was trying to find the description, I was finding like little tidbits about the movie. And one of them said that there was a scene where Mr. Hand was at the dance, like signing everyone's yearbooks for them. Oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. So Stacy is the 15-year-old and her friend Linda, who is very sexually precocious and completely in charge of her sexuality, seemingly. Yeah. That's what she presents to Stacy is that, hey, man, you're a woman now. And so I'm going to teach you how to do a blowjob on a carrot in the high school cafeteria. I know. It's like a little uncomfortable with that scene. but So, so they do that. And the boys are what, like there's a whole table of boys that are watching and the boys clap at the end of it. Now, that's funny that you say that because Linda, who's played by Phoebe Cates, when I watched this in kindergarten, I decided that I wanted to be like Linda when I grew up. Okay. First off, she's hot. Yes. And all the guys like her, which is very important. Of course. (laughs) And secondly... She, to me, I was like, well, she knows what she wants. And she's, she's like self-assured. She is picky about the guys that she chooses, but she's also, she also likes to have sexual attention, you know? And I don't know. I just felt like she was really appealing in kindergarten. So (laughs) I didn't see that movie. I always remember, this is a movie that has just, it's burned into my brain Linda is burned into my brain and not just because of the scene where with the red bikini, yeah, but also just because of her character. It just really struck a chord. Like I didn't identify with Stacy at all as a four-year-old or however old. <laughs> is that four when you're in kindergarten? Like five. Five? Okay, five. Yeah, like I didn't identify with Stacy at all. I I was like, I want to be Linda when I get older. So when they're in the cafeteria and she's like coaching her on the blowjob, I was like, I would have done something like that in high school. <laughs> like I did, I did shit like that, you know, where I was just like, I don't care who's watching. We need to shake it up. Like we need to shake up the environment here. Mm-hmm. And it's my job to do it for some reason. <laughs> and so when I'm watching it again, I'm like, oh my God, I actually did turn into Linda <laughs> I high school. I lo- I also lost my virginity at the age of 13. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh my God, when she said I lost my, you know, she's like, oh, I lost mine at 13. I was like, oh my God, I am Linda. Then the cafeteria scene shows up. I would have totally done that. Like, she's like telling Stacy, you got to call the guy. Be who you are, get what you want. 
ask for what you want and get it. And that's what Linda is telling, is telling Stacy. And it's like really funny to me because if Aunt Pishy knew that me watching that movie was going to later make me think like, you know what? I do just want to fucking lose my virginity. <laughs> and I'm just going to be like really sexually forward. Like that's the way to go. But the thing is, that saved my ass in high school. Being sexually forward and being like having Linda as a role model for high school at that time was like really good for me because otherwise I was so fucking sensitive to everything. I think I would have just like crumbled. Wow. You know? So in some ways, Linda's my hero, even though by the end of the movie, we realized that like, she was kind of living in a fantasy world. Yeah, she was with her long distance boyfriend, fiance. Doug. Yeah, that's the thing. That's awesome about how Linda affected your life and was like an inspiration for you. Like, I wow. don't think I don't think I specifically like when I got older, I wasn't like, oh, I'm going to lose my virginity at 13 like Linda. No, I didn't of course. think that at all. It was just yeah. looking back on it. I'm like, whoa, I actually ended up like Linda in high school. Mm-hmm. So Stacy gets involved with a 26-year-old guy who premature ejaculate, sends her a dozen roses the next day, and then never to be seen again. So instead of Stacy getting upset and wallowing in the movie being about how Stacy lost her virginity to an asshole and hey girls, do not have sex. Um, because guys are scumbags and they'll all leave you. Unless you're married, in which case you're safe until you get to be about 40. At which time your husband decides you're an old hag and he starts dating the 20-year-old babysitter. (laughs) That's your life, ladies. Welcome to Hollywood. (laughs) So, like, we got that. But that's not what we get. Instead, we get Linda telling Stacy, like, hey, you know what? Fuck him. Sometimes Mm -hmm. you're going to screw a dud. Whatever. Move on. The best thing to do is go find somebody else to have sex with. So then along comes Rat. Mark Rat. (laughs) <laughs> and he's got a crush on Stacy. It's sweet. The relationship between Rat and Stacy is very sweet. Like he's been admiring her for a while in the mall because where he works in the movie theater is directly across from the pizza place. So he can kind of just stare at her, but not in a creepy way. He doesn't give out creep vibes. <laughs> not at all. And then he sees her in person up close in his biology class when they're together in high school. And He's just observing her and how she is with the animals in the classroom and how she's interacting with everyone. And you can see him just kind of admiring her and not just for her looks, for the way that she is as a person, too. And I think it's really sweet. And then he talks to his friend, Damone, for advice. It's kind of like how Stacy goes to Linda for advice because they're older and supposedly more experienced. Mm-hmm. And, of course, Damone gives him... <laughs> sexist sounding terrible (laughs) reductive advice so that's one of my quotes that i wrote down for the movie comes when rat is talking with damone about hey i really like this girl what should i do and then basically damone's giving him similar advice to linda as just like just get it over with you just want to have sex and be done with it like who cares what she's really like just get her in bed basically Mm -hmm. and so with that damone says (laughs) Um, it doesn't matter if she comes, stays, lays, or prays. Either way, your toes are tapping. 
Right before he said that, I wrote down, Mike says, I just send out this vibe. <laughs> and I have personally found women do respond. I mean, something happens. <laughs> to which to which rat responds. I mean, naturally something happens. I mean, you put the vibe out to 30 million chicks and something happens. And I was like, okay, rat, you're starting to realize that your friend Mike is full of shit. Yeah. Which yeah. is further enforced when rat and Stacy go out on a date. So whenever Mike and rat are talking, Damone calls Mike a wuss. And then he says, it's part wimp and part pussy. And I just wanted to take the opportunity to say, I use the words pussy and cunt. And I only use them for flattery. Because you know what happens with pussies and cunts? They are responsible for the most human pleasure available to (laughs) men and women. Do you know what gets pushed out of pussies and cunts? Children. Human life. But I'm supposed to feel insulted when somebody calls me one? You're right. It's a compliment. Also, women, please stop calling other women or anyone a pussy or a cunt as an insult. You're insulting yourself because the word pussy and cunt, as it's used as an insult, is basically saying, Well, you're a woman. So I only use pussy and cunt as a compliment. So Sarah, I think you are quite the cunt. (laughs) Thank you so much. You are welcome. That means a lot. (laughs) (laughs) And you are a giant pussy. (laughs) 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 That reminds me of the part in the movie where um, Brad is working at the all-american hamburger still and he's going over in his mind like the speech he's going to give his girlfriend to let her down gently because he's successful single senior this year and he needs to be free and while he's doing it in the mirror he's cleaning off the mirror where someone had written big hairy pussy (laughs) that was a great scene i love that and he's like he's all rehearsing it in the mirror yeah being very serious while he wipes away the word (laughs) pussy from the mirror (laughs) but yeah being in the food industry I think is character building definitely and I think it helped Brad build character until he was seen and laughed at wearing the pirate hat (laughs) out in the street and he couldn't take it anymore I loved I loved the uh I loved the scene where Brad is wearing the pirate costume which he's been forced to wear to go to deliver a bunch of fried fish <laughs> to IBM. Like he has to go to this fancy building. So his girlfriend, who he had been rehearsing breaking up with, breaks up with him first. Ouch. There's more girl power in this movie. There is. And like they took this idea that happens in movies all the time where a hot girl pulls up in the car next to the guy and she's like, Hey baby, if you follow my car, I'll probably suck your dick. (laughs) And then the guy's like, see what happens when I have an expensive car. 
And then like, that's how they sell cars. <laughs> so, but instead you've got the guy who's like, Hey, I have this great car and I, I love it so much that that's why I take whatever shitty job I can. And I'm wearing a pirate suit because I love my car so much. Then the lady pulls up next to him and he's like, see what happens when you got the hot car. You get the ladies winking. Hot car means women think you're a hot guy, which means you're going to get laid. And and they just completely flipped that on its head. I feel like Brad like blamed the woman for laughing at him. Whenever a woman laughs at at a man who has been indoctrinated into the ideals of toxic masculinity, they will lash out at the woman. Brad's not like that. Brad looks in the mirror and goes, well, of course, I laugh at me. I look (laughs) fucking ridiculous. Yeah. He already was embarrassed and humiliated because he comes home from work in his stupid fucking pirate costume and the hottest girl in school, Linda, is swimming in the backyard in this hot bathing suit and he can't help it. He's got to blow off some steam. So he goes (laughs) in the bathroom and he jerks off. But you notice even then, so that could be a really creepy moment. He could stay watching her. Yes, he didn't. I was so glad. Glad you mentioned that. That's definitely much better because I was getting worried like, oh my God, is he going to stare at her while he does this? Because I couldn't remember. So it does make it less creepy that he just takes the like visual Polaroid and then turns it into his fantasy and then respectfully moves away from the window and just uses what's in his mind as material instead of leering at her out the window while he masturbates. And honestly, who hasn't stared at someone and then later basically essentially used them as a stand-in for your sexual pleasures <laughs> in the form of masturbation. I have fantasy. Like <laughs> you're like, I am as pure as the lily white snow. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying I'm not blaming Brad for anything. How I remembered that scene was just him looking out the window. Me too. I didn't remember the masturbation part, actually. Me either. I thought that where she was like coming up out of the pool with the the mist behind her and all that, I thought that actually was happening and he was just watching it like in my mind. That's how I remembered it. I didn't realize that was like his fantasy and then he was (laughs) masturbating to it. I mean, it used to be prescribed, right? Like that um, sanitarium that was Mm -hmm. run by Kellogg or whatever. And they would Mm -hmm. basically just use vibrators on the women for hysteria i have gone a couple of weeks without sex and i do understand how you can get hysterical (laughs) it must have been so rough i'm glad that you don't have to worry about that anymore you needed prescription hey man (laughs) do you want to talk about when rat and stacy go on their date yeah, I thought it was so cute. And they were in this restaurant. This I think it was like a German themed restaurant. And they're both sitting in these big chairs. So it makes them look even more like little kids. And it's really adorable. And the menus are huge, like bigger than their whole torsos. So they really just look like little kids out on a fancy date. 
and he did the thing that his friend Damone had told him to do of like order for the lady it's classy and he did it but not in like a Damone type way he did it in a nice rat type way and then when he realized that he forgot his wallet and he was so embarrassed he tried to hide it from her I felt bad for him um so then he called Damone to see if he would help him by bringing him his wallet and you can see Damone is at home doing nothing watching leave it to beaver and he's like I don't know I'm pretty busy I don't know if I have time to bring you your wallet (laughs) I'm like what a great friend Um, the beaver always comes first it's true the beaver always comes first for for Damone in one way it does, but in another way it doesn't. Because Damone definitely comes first. Well, oh, good point. Stacy found that out the hard way. Good point. And Damone shows up to bring him his wallet. And it's just like, hey, I found your wallet. <laughs> and they try to play it off like, oh, yeah. Nothing. I didn't even know anything was wrong. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and then they finally leave. And then when they're going home, she asked him to come inside. And I'm like, oh, that's cute. And I thought she was just going to have him in. I'm like, oh, I guess he's going to meet her family and stuff. But then, of course, when they get inside, no one's there because no one has any parents in the 80s. And her brother's not even there. What? They're on a trip. Her parents are on a trip. Mm -hmm. Forever. Forever. (laughs) Uh, And then he helps unzip her dress. And you can see that he's getting, like, a little titillated from that. (laughs) And she goes in the other room. So then I was like, is she just going to put on sweats or something? But no, she puts on like a sexy robe and basically nothing underneath. And then invites him into her room to look at photo albums. So it's seeming so like innocent, but really she has in mind that she wants to try to get with Rat. So then when she does try to put the moves on him, he's he goes along with it. But then at a certain point, he kind of gets overwhelmed and backs out of it. And I think it's just because he liked her so much. And I'm guessing he's a virgin too. I guess he already probably talked about that with Damone. So he just got intimidated and scared. And he's probably one of those people who is like, I really like her. So I don't want to just have sex right away Mm -hmm. and, you know, cheapen the relationship if that's how he looked at it. Mm -hmm. So then he makes an excuse that he has to leave and get his sister's car back before 11. (laughs) And Stacy, you can see she's kind of like hurt and confused and she just feels rejected. Like it's, mm-hmm. she's not putting it together that he really likes her. She just well, feels like, oh, well, if he doesn't want to have sex with me, then he must not really like me and something's wrong. I think that's another good example of how women audit, are, are taught to automatically expect that men only want sex. So if a man is like, no, I want to wait, I'm not comfortable having sex yet. The woman thinks, oh, that's bullshit because all men always want to have sex all the time. So that just means I'm not attractive. And it makes for really complicated relationships because this could have been a conversation if she was aware of the fact that some guys need to have a relationship with somebody before they feel like getting physically intimate. And then she could have put on some sweatpants and they could have watched (laughs) TV together. And I liked that this movie demonstrated that men are not out for sex all the time. Even though Mm -hmm. there's like a lot of boobs in it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there, there are a lot of boobs, but I guess by 80 standards, it's pretty 
not that many boobs actually. Because mm-hmm. I mean, in the eighties, you couldn't turn around without hitting a pair of boobs right. in a movie. Right. So there's only a few, and it is good in showing that men aren't only about sex. Because I feel like that is so much of the message that Stacy would have gotten, and that we got through our childhood through movies. And Probably. like, look at Spicoli's room. The only really gratuitous woman was actually uh, Stacy. You see her boobs twice, and then you see Phoebe Kate's boobs once, but that's very, very briefly. And Phoebe Kate's boobs. It didn't seem too gratuitous because it was in his fantasy. It's not like she just came out of the pool in real life and was like, oh, let me take my top off. Yeah. I mean, like, I'd rather see her because the only other way to get that across to such a, like, impactful level would have been if he had just been leering at her jerking off. I'm glad they didn't go that route. And that would have made that would have made Brad a total creep. And then if he hadn't been, and then if he acted just like he did the rest of the movie, then we would have gotten the the impression like, oh, like with the Revenge of the Nerds, where it's like, oh, even the cool nice guys <laughs> are are really fucking creepy voyeurs who are going to jerk off to any nude body they see, you know. Which goes back to the impression that Stacy has that Rat must not be attracted to her because he doesn't want to immediately jump her. Jump exactly. her bones <laughs> in the eighties. I remember hearing that. So the moment when Damone comes up and punches our locker and gets it open for her, then you see her like turn and look at him like, Oh, maybe you're the guy that I'm looking for. Like that was cool and masculine and you're cooler than your friend rat. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, they're in the pool house having sex. 20 seconds later, she's pregnant. And then you don't really see her talk to him again until she has to go tell him the big news that she's pregnant. And of course, he handles it terribly. He's a total jerk about it, insulting her, saying, oh, how do you know it's mine? And then, well, you wanted it more than me. Like, it's her fault (laughs) because she wanted sex more than him. First of all, she didn't. And she's very matter of fact about it. Like she doesn't fly off the handle or start crying or begging him or anything. She's just like, this is what's happening. We need to take care of it. And then he's like, we've got to get an abortion. And she's like, I already have a plan. So she's going along with her plan. Like she's already thought it out. She's not coming to him of like, what should we do? Will you marry me? She's like, I already knows in her mind. This is what needs to happen. This is what I need from you. So I was just really impressed with Stacy over and over of like the presence of mind that she had as a 15 year old girl yes. with no parental guidance. She's yes. basically living on her own with an 18 year old brother. And I think she's doing a good job. I do too. <laughs> I find it kind of creepy that she was like basically almost fully nude. Cause I'm like, how old is she in real she's life? She's 20. I looked it up. She's 20. Yeah. She's 20. Okay, good. Cause yeah. I was kind of creeped out by that. But now that I know she's 20, it's not as bad. However, because of the fact that she's playing a 15-year-old in the movie, yeah. it made me really uncomfortable because I thought, too, how old is she? Because mm-hmm. back in 1982, there wasn't the internet, obviously. And so you couldn't look up how old Jennifer Jason Lee was. 
And a lot of people probably just thought she was a 15 year old. And so Mm -hmm. in a way it was like normalizing that. Yeah. It's totally cool to like, look at 15 year old girls bodies on TV and be like, she's hot. Mm-hmm. You know? <laughs> I'm glad to know that Jennifer Jason Lee wasn't actually 15. No, God, she looked like it. She really did. She has a baby face. I think because I have a niece who's like 11 now, I feel like hypersensitive to like sexualizing young girls. Mm-hmm. It creeps me out way more. Well, because when you're a little kid yourself, you don't see yourself as a little kid. You, you just see yourself as you and that's who you are. And that's the only perspective you have. But when you see, when I see a five-year-old, when I see a five-year-old girl now, and I think about her being in the room with me watching Fast Times at Ridgemont High, like that makes me kind of (laughs) nauseous. Yeah. It's really interesting to me that our parents didn't get that. And maybe it's just because they're, they didn't grow up with their parent. They like, they didn't grow up being exposed to this relatively new media where you could see sex and violence in the home because before you had to go to a movie theater, but then the, the VCR came into being. Yes. And, and cable. And cable. Yeah. So Sex and violence is suddenly in the home. So our parents didn't grow up with that, though. So maybe they're like, because they're only operating from their perspective, and they didn't grow up being exposed to that stuff and knowing like the effects that it can have on you as an adult. They're only seeing it from their perspective of, well, I know this isn't real. If I tell my kid that this isn't real, they'll just know that. And it'll be cool. Maybe it's like a moment where I can like teach them something about the world through this weird fucking movie that we're going to watch where, you know, some lady ends up dying, like whatever it is, you know, that's what I've been thinking since we've been doing this. Mm -hmm. I think that's a good, you know, way to look at it. That's a good frame of reference to try to understand what were they thinking when they let us watch this stuff. (laughs) Because it's it's just so hard to believe it. It's just like what you said. If right now, if I thought of an eight-year-old watching this movie or any of the movies that we're talking about, yeah, let alone five, even eight, I would just be like, oh, you should not be watching this. But maybe like you said, you and I know that from our own experience, because we did live it and realized like, "Mm, we probably shouldn't have seen that. They didn't have a a guide to get them through cable TV in the home all of a sudden. (laughs) They didn't know what was coming some of the times also, because if they hadn't seen the movie, they didn't know exactly what was going to be in it. And maybe Mm -hmm. they thought, oh, if they're showing it on regular TV, it can't be that bad. But it really was that bad. (laughs) So they may have been surprised too and realized a little too late, like, oops, yeah, maybe they shouldn't have seen that. (laughs) (laughs) But it's too late because we already saw it. That's right. <laughs> the damage is done. Yeah. And I gained. Up, and I ended up like Linda. Who knew? 
I mean, of all the things that we've seen, if you had to pick someone to be like, Linda's pretty cool. (laughs) (laughs) So Linda is sexually precocious, like you said. I mean, she talks about sex a lot. She's giving advice about sex a lot, but we never see her actually with anyone. Mm -hmm. She just has the long distance fiance. So it's like, is Linda more talk than reality? Just because she can blow a carrot. I mean, that doesn't mean she's really done a lot. No, I could could tie a cherry stem with my tongue when I was like eight. (laughs) Why did we learn that? nothing. Why did we even know that was a thing? It was from some movie that we saw. Do you remember that one time we were at Six Flags and we were eating at that 50s diner and there was that cute guy and we were probably like 11 and... I left him a chair, a tie and a not cherry stone. Do you remember that? You are so Linda. <laughs> oh my God. He was our waiter. So could you imagine how uncomfortable we made him? <laughs> like <laughs> oh my God. That's hilarious to think about. <laughs> yeah. But we were just like, oh my God, he's really cute. And yeah. why not flirt with him? Because exactly. just like you said, when you're like 11, you feel like you're probably 17. Totally. You don't I realize was... that you're a child. <laughs> you <laughs> left that for him. I wish we could see his face when he comes back and finds a side cherry sim from an 11 year old girl. <laughs> it probably haunted his dreams or like he was impotent for a few months after that. <laughs> back to Linda. Linda's like the not creepy counterpart to Damone. Right. And we never see him with any girl either, except for Stacy. Because I think Damone is all talk. He lost his virginity to Stacy. You're right. That's why it was so fast. I mean, I, think- I knew he was all talk. You could just tell from the way that he is, just like rat figured out. But yeah, he lost his virginity to her too. I think Linda having a fiance, like, you, you know, she's not looking around for guys. No, even though she could be. So I think it was, I actually think that might've been a way to establish, especially back then, because back then to have a, a teenage girl encouraging and being very sex positive and also very much having her sexual agency that she would have been deemed a slut. And disregarded as a character, as a slut, if she had a, if she had like, if she had boys around her, but because we see her as being in a committed relationship, I feel like that was giving her some kind of grounding of like, it's not that she's a slut because she likes sex. It's because she's a woman. Mm -hmm. She's a young woman and she is 18. I mean, she's graduating. And back then, women got married at 18 back then all the time. Oh, yeah. Right out of high school. So Linda had already had her fun and her experiences and gotten that all out of her system. So she knew what she wanted. So when she found the man, she was already ready to be committed to her fiance. And it just ended up not working out. Yeah. And since she'd started at the age of 13, Mm -hmm. she probably had a lot of sexual experience. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what's Linda's home life? You know, who knows? Oh, do you want to? I guess we did talk about the abortion up top, didn't we? Yeah, we kind of talked about it um, a little bit. And I mean, I thought it was 
really terrible how Damone didn't help her at all and was just like really belittling her, but she still just went ahead and took care of it on her own. Damone is sitting in his bedroom. We find out he's been giving people tickets and not making them pay. When it really comes down to it, he's just using his ability to buy concert tickets to get people to like him. Exactly. He's buying friends. Yeah. And they're not even really his friends. And so now he's too humiliated to show up and say, hey, I can give you a ride, but I don't have the money. Yeah, because he could have still at least given her a ride. Instead, he just totally ghosted her and had his mom answer the phone for him when she called, like a little baby. You know, Damone is being a total asshole to Stacy by not showing up to give her a ride to the abortion or pay for it or even call her to say, look, I can't come up with the money. But it's all to save his pride. It's not... I mean, and that still makes him a jerk, obviously. But you get to see this vulnerability. And that's what I I love it in a movie where even the bad guy, we get to see some background and motivation for why he's acting like the bad guy. Damone is really this like very complicated vulnerable person but because toxic masculinity affords the illusion of strength and coolness i'm like invincible because i'm a man i'm a real man men who adopt that facade how fierce and like i don't need anybody Those are the most vulnerable men around. The men that I've seen that are strong are boys like Rat. You know, Rat's going to turn into a great guy. Frankly, probably uh, Brad will too. Brad's a great guy. I like Brad. I thought it was really cute when, well, not cute, but when (laughs) she came out from her abortion and he was like waiting in the parking lot, I thought it was so sweet. And then he wasn't giving her a hard time he was just like there to be there for her to see what was going on and asked if she was okay and just supported her promised that he wouldn't tell their parents and then took her to get something to eat like he was just being a cool older brother yeah and i really liked it he took care of her Mm mm-hmm because their parents are never there. He's like, well, I won't tell mom and dad because I never actually see them. So you don't have to worry about that. That part's easy. <laughs> so yeah. whenever this is a total sidebar, uh-huh. this is just like a little fun fact. But I think that this movie inspired my love of butts. Like I've always been known as a butt person. Like I always just stare at butts. I don't even try. Like it's just something that I do. You remember that? I know. I've always been like that. Everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. And so I was watching this movie and I was like, I think this must have started it because a lot of 80s movies actually have like a lot of jeans scenes and like it had the obligatory couple walking together with hand in each other's back pocket. But then they also just showed like a line of people's butts in jeans at the mall, like seven people. 
And then when Brad was washing his car, they did like a close up of his butt for a long time, just like bouncing around while he's watching it. And like, they don't usually do that on guys, actually. They normally do that on women. <laughs> and yeah. I was just like, hmm, you don't see this many butts very often. And this must have like kicked me off in my butt obsession. But you're right. Okay, no. <laughs> so they also took that idea of the woman, the hot woman, cool hand loop, the car, washing the car. And they, they turned it around and made the man the sexual object they watching his did. car. That donk was right up in the camera, just bouncing with suds all around and stuff. You're right. And it's usually women that they show them doing that. I love this movie even more as we talk oh. about it. I actually want to. So I didn't realize another side note that this was based on a book. Like, I think I'd heard that, but I forgot. So then when I was reading about it afterwards, I was like, Oh my God. So Cameron Crowe just embedded himself in a high school. He was 24 writing for Rolling Stone and he embedded himself to do the story at a high school in San Diego. And I want to read that book. Don't you think it'd be good? Oh yeah. I I was like, I need to read this. (laughs) I know. I'm going to order it when we're done. I wish I could get it like tonight. (laughs) I think it's got to be so good. Like real early 80s teenage drama yes, in high school. I know. Forget Sweet Valley High. I know. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm so glad you brought up Sweet Valley High. So at the beginning of Fast Times at Regiment High, there's this montage at the mall. Music's playing. Credits are going. And it's just like a day at the mall. And I thought this whole thing sums up the fever dream of 1980s teenage America. Yes. It says this children, this is what you should be when you're a teenager. They're at the mall buying shit. Mm -hmm. It's all just like training to be a a good consumer, Mm -hmm. you know? But then on top of that, this movie and Sweet Valley High books that I read when I was way too young to read Sweet Valley High books. Okay, we were reading oh those in God. like fourth grade. Yes, not I'm, appropriate. At I want to go back and reread it. Oh my God, I have up to sixty-five. I have all of the originals, oh. original cover. I spent. I actually was thinking like when you wanted to do the movie podcast, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like, oh, that's an even better idea. But my idea had been was like, I want to do a podcast with Sarah where we read Sweet Valley High books. Oh, shit. Yeah. But I have them. And I oh read them God. like, I read them like four years ago. And <gasps> you did. Yeah. And it was a deprogramming. These books had such a huge impact on me of what I thought being a teenager was going to be. Yeah. And this movie had the same effect. And I feel like Fast Times at Richmond High and Sweet Valley High are set in a very similar world. It's just that the books in Sweet Valley High, obviously, they don't have any sex in them. Like, okay. they come right up to having sex, but they never, like, really show it or, like... But it to me, it's, like, the same world. And when I was a little kid, it was the same world. And I just thought, man, when I get to be a teenager... I'm going to experience this very high level of drama. Yeah. It's like everything's exciting. I'm always going to be at the mall. Yes. I'm always going to have cool outfits. 
and boys are gonna like me yeah I'm so glad you mentioned that because I feel like that's how I feel about all these movies where like we're watching them when we're so little and it's like this is what being a teenager is like and I feel like 80s movies are so good for that like they're the quintessential all about what teen life is like and I'm curious to know and of course it was nothing (laughs) these movies at least for me um we did go to the mall a lot um that's about it but I am curious to know if if it feels the same way for kids now like maybe I want to ask my niece like is there any movie that you've watched where you feel like this is what high school is going to be like like get you excited about what high school will be and gives you like an ideal of what should be happening when you're in high school I just wonder because it was such a strong feeling from all of these movies everything like the pizza like when they order pizza in the classroom it's like I feel like pizza was a powerful thing even (laughs) it's like cool to eat pizza we've got to order pizza America (laughs) is pizza yeah it's true pizza is like a huge part of the 80s for sure and just like yeah the clothes the people were like dancing in the mall there are girls like doing little dance outside and everyone's just like there's music playing everyone looks great everyone's wearing the coolest clothes and it's just like yes I want to be a teenager so bad I can't wait and I remember when I was little I would take the foil from gum wrappers and make braces and put like fake braces on my teeth because I was like if you're a teenager you have braces and I want to be a teenager (laughs) so when I was like seven or eight I would make fake braces <laughs> no wonder we were friends. <laughs> yeah. That's so funny too that so with the Sweet Valley High, because I was gonna tell you, I remember I was reading it at my grandma's because my grandma would babysit me sometimes. And she saw one of my books and she was like, I don't think you should be reading this. And I was like, Whatever, grandma, <laughs> you know how it is. And I was just like, Oh, you're so lame. But Apparently it's true. We probably shouldn't have been. <laughs> I don't, I haven't gone back and revisited. There's like an insane amount of them. My yeah. cutoff for it is that um, they had to have the original cover art. Mm-hmm. So when the books changed their cover art, I think it was like about 65. I was like, that's when I quit. That's where mm-hmm. I draw the line. Damn it. <laughs> yeah. So those books are just horrible. Mm-hmm. Like we should do an episode. Let's do it. I'll read okay. like, the first one, or yeah. Um, let's. What? I'll pick a gem because it doesn't really okay. matter what order they're in because the time yeah. doesn't exist. The only thing I really <laughs> love about Sweet Valley High is mm-hmm. that the space time continuum has completely collapsed in on itself, and everyone is always the same age forever. Yeah, and no one ever learns any lessons <laughs> because I Perfect. think that I think that what we're really getting is just individual. Every single potential reality of the same universe is like spinning out at once. Mm. And so each book is just like one degree of that. So it's like Mm. Sweet Valley High is this like place of infinity. (laughs) But also everyone there is an idiot. Mm -hmm. Okay. I want to do it. That sounds fun. I fucking love it. Maybe our maybe our Patreon yes could be Sweet Valley High episodes. Mm-hmm. So if you would love to hear our interpretations of the classics Sweet Valley High, join us 
Oh, Demetria. Um, so yeah, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. Um, Valley high. Yes. <laughs> I'm just going to take that clip and randomly <laughs> place it in every episode where I go, like when you say something and in response, I go sweet and then Valley high. <laughs> <laughs> that's our new phrase our yeah. catchphrase <laughs> oh god I'm excited I I can't wait to see it again because well, I we were like obsessed with those things yeah. I don't even want to hear like anything about it oh my god it's it. gonna be amazing so by the end Stacy she says you know I don't want just sex anyone can have sex I want a relationship and I want romance. And then you can see they pan over to Linda and she has like the smile on her face. Like it seems like she's happy that she realized that. So in the end, Stacy kind of realizes, I think she learns and grows from her experiences. So now she's going to continue to be like, have agency over her sexuality, but she also wants the relationship to go with that. And then she realizes that rat was actually a great guy. And you can see her looking at him across the mall. She calls him over and she wants to restart the relationship. Mm -hmm. So it's a good ending. Like the thing I noticed with that was like so awesome, especially in 1982, is that in a lot of movies, probably most, she would be damaged to goods. Exactly. Twice over. And so and the- if he knew about the abortion, mm. that's like triple whammy. Yeah. But rats, but rats, the kind of guy he—he's the kind of guy that would be like, "Oh, it's cool that you're three months pregnant. Like, let's raise the baby together, <laughs> even though it's not mine." He lets his heart lead him. So, because ultimately, the story is a, a love story about Rat and Stacy in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. Well, and it's also a love story about Spicoli. So it's it's a double <laughs> love story. It's a love story about Spicoli and Mr. Hand, and it's a love story about Stacy and Rat. Those are the two relationships that have the most growth. Right. And with Stacy and Rat, I feel like they really both realized, hey, we need to listen to our hearts, not what the people around us are saying. And like, mm-hmm. what a great message in a movie in 1982. Listen to your heart, not what everybody else is saying. Like, filter out all the bullshit and ask yourself, who am I and what do I need? Yeah, that's you know? great. Especially in the 80s. And they're going against what two older teenagers have told them as well, which is huge because I feel like in the 80s, at least for me, I felt like, oh, they're older, so I need to listen to them. And like, if you're a senior in high school in the oh 80s, God. then you're like the top of the world, the king of the world, nothing's better than you. Best year of your life. Yeah. And don't ever forget it. It's senior year. Things are going to happen. It's going to be great. And so for them to go against those older, cooler people and just listen to their own heart, like you said, I think that's really great. So I'm going to go back to when... Damone wasn't helping Stacy with the abortion and all of that. And afterwards, she's um, explaining it all to Linda. And Linda gets so mad when she finds out that Damone just totally ditched her. 
And Stacy's being really level-headed and mature about it. So for a 15-year-old, and she's like, you know, don't do anything, Linda. It's okay. I just want to let it go. And Linda's like, no, he's a prick. And I'm going to do something. And so then you see the next morning when Damone comes out to his car, it has prick spray painted on the side of it. And so he manages to cover that up with cardboard. But then when he gets to school, it's also on his locker. And so everyone already knows. And I was just wondering, how do you feel about that as a Linda lover? Are you pro that action? Well, I found it to be further evidence that I was Linda in high school. <laughs> Linda. Like if a yeah. guy does some some sexual shitty thing, the best thing you can do is publicly humiliate him. Let me just tell you so a few quick like sidebar things yes. that I just wrote down that I oh, think are I just fun it. to share. I love it. So we both discovered that Anthony Edwards, the guy from Revenge of the Nerds and ER, was in this as one of Spicoli's friends. I did not even realize it. It took me a minute. He was an adorable kid. One of my other favorite parts was when the teacher came in and he was like, I just switched to Sanka. You're going to have to bear with me. (laughs) Sanka the decaf coffee. And that's just like really resonating with me since I just had to switch to decaf this week. (laughs) Um. And then the other part, when Mr. Hand is passing out their um, papers and he's like, pass them back, pass them back. And everyone gets their paper and then they smell it. Because remember how dittos, they call them dittos, used to smell? (laughs) They had that cool smell. I was like, oh, I love that. That takes me back to grade school for sure. And they'd come off, they'd be like all warm still when the teacher brought them in. It was so neat. That was neat. I know. (laughs) Um, yeah, so I have a question. If Damone wasn't an asshole, if you looked at his room, wouldn't you think it was really cool? He has the best music posters and his headboard is like a car door on a twin bed. I was just thinking through it. I was like, if he, this is probably who I would like in the movie until I, until he did like all that other stuff, but just based on his room. Oh, I would have went for Eric Stoltz. Oh, well, yeah, but that's purely based on looks. You're being very superficial. I know. And when I was (laughs) in high school, I didn't care about anything else except if I was sexually attracted to the guy. That's true. You know what I really like? So at the beginning of the movie, so Spicoli just sasses Mr. Hand and he gets sent (laughs) to the principal's office. That's like, that's all that happens. Yeah. Spicoli is sassy. Then the next scene, we're in the cafeteria at school and Linda goes, Oh my God, did you hear about that surfer guy that pulled a knife? Yeah. On, you know, Mr. Hand and and Stacy's like, I was there. That's not what happened. Like there was no knife. Like that's all bullshit. But what I liked about that was it was telling everybody gossip is bullshit. Mm-hmm. And when you're in high school, you're going to hear some crazy, well, not just high school, but you're going to hear some crazy shit. And a lot of it's not going to be true. And I just liked that as a side note of like, Hey, you know, these are like kids that are real characters. Like they're not, they're not caricatures of teenagers. And that's what we get a lot in eighties teenager movies. Mm -hmm. You get the types. We have people who are not as they first appear because people are like that. They have quirks and 
contradictions and everyone, all humans are complex, even Spicoli, (laughs) you know? And like, that's really, that's a really beautiful thing. And I, I wasn't sure because I haven't seen this movie in probably 10 years. And I remembered watching it and enjoying it like 10 years ago and thinking like, wow, that movie actually really held up except for Spicoli calling somebody the F word. Yeah. It was an insult to emasculate a man. And it also goes to show that like the guys that are being most toxically masculine are actually the ones that are the most vulnerable in particular, Damone, but also a little bit Spicoli, you know, but no, his room looks like that, but you don't really see it manifested in any other way. Even his like fantasy when he's dreaming about winning the surf competition, like the girls are wearing bikinis holding onto him, but it could have been way worse. Oh, like yeah. it could have been like naked girls or something. Mm-hmm. So even his dream fantasy was not Pretty too risque. Tame. It was yeah. mainly about winning the surf competition. That was That's the most true. important thing. Yeah. And you don't really see him interacting with girls that much. And definitely not in like a negative way. Right. Right. It's just his I... room looks like a serial killer's room. <laughs> or like a sex offender's room, really. It's so excessive. But it's everything excessive. about everything about Spicoli is excessive. That's true. <laughs> He's probably like a triple Scorpio or something. <laughs> so that tracks. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, I guess that's all for today. Thanks for listening and see you next Tuesday. <laughs> Bye. Thank you. Bye. Do you guys have any stories about working in the food industry like Brad? Any customers that made you want to lose it or outfits that you had to wear that were humiliating? Let us know. Email us at coveryourizepodcast at gmail.com. Also, if you have ideas for other movies we should cover in the future, we'd love to hear those too. Thank you for listening to Cover Your Eyes Podcast. If you like their show, please feel free to count the ways. Find us on patreon.com backslash cover your eyes. You can also visit our store on Redbubble at Cover Your Eyes Podcast. Are we going to say see you next Tuesday still? <laughs> okay, we could say bye, y'all. See you next Tuesday. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Let's do that. You can it's cover true. your eyes, but you can still hear it.